What is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show Podcast Edition. Eve of Thanksgiving Rivalry Week. We have a very special edition of the podcast today. We are going to be joined by Outside the Huddle co-hosts Shay Burnham and Ryan McCormack. They're going to join the podcast today to talk all things SEC Rivalry Week from the Egg Bowl to the Iron Bowl and everything in between. We've got you covered. But before we get into that interview, why don't you go check out S.Y. Wilson, Historic Arlington Depot Square. Before Black Friday, man, they have got the absolute greatest deals going on this weekend for Black Friday on Friday and also for Small Business Saturday on Saturday. S.Y. Wilson is located on the historic Arlington Depot Square. I mean, I tell you what, they've got deals on Columbia, they've got deals on PFG, they've got the deals on everything. So be sure you go check out S.Y. Wilson. Even Collegiate stuff is marked down. For the Black Friday sale in the Small Business Saturday. So be sure you run by Eswell Wilson on the historic Arlington Depot Square. And tell them Mitch Davis sent you. They'll hook you up. They've got Memphis. They've got Tennessee. Ole Miss. They've got everything that you could ever dream of there at Eswell Wilson on the historic Arlington Depot Square. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook page at The Mitch Davis Show. Follow us on YouTube at The Mitch Davis Show. Or also like and find the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show. I want to thank you all for so much for listening to this interview and thank our special guests, Shay Brenneman and Ryan McCormack, for coming on the show and breaking down Rivalry Week. I am joined by two legends, Ryan McCormack, Shay Brenneman of Outside the Huddle podcast, co host and also founders, basically, of NoHuddleSports.com. What is up, guys? Not much. Just enjoying a week-long vacation. Yeah, pretty good. Just prepping myself for four straight days of non-stop football. Can't ask for anything more right now. I feel that. Ryan, you must be happy. Shay, you're happy. Both your teams won your respective tournaments, preseason basketball tournaments. Let's talk about that real quick before we get into rivalry week. So what did, we'll start with Ryan. What did you see out of Florida in the Charleston Classic there? Um, so, yeah, you, you know, everybody saw Florida struggle the first couple games of the year. And the biggest thing for them was, I think, ball movement. Not ball movement. Um, fast fast breaks. You know, just getting up and down the court as well as shooting. I think they shot like 40% through the first four or five games and then like 25% from three, um, which is not what they expected. Florida has a couple of really good shooters on them team they had Kerry Blackshear come in and then a couple of freshmen um so I think people really were shocked that they shot so badly the first couple games and they lost two games that they shouldn't have lost they weren't terrible you know it wasn't losing to Stephen F. Austin at home or anything like that um but they should have beaten Florida State they should have beaten UConn um I think just getting to the Charleston Classic kind of resetting um it's nice to get away from your fans um when you're struggling just because it kind of takes the pressure off I think the these tournaments where they're, you know, more of a smaller feel, especially when you get a lot of freshmen in there, um, like Florida has a lot of young players. It feels more of like a high school stadium when you're getting to like, you know, the Maui Invitational, the Charleston Classic, where they play in these smaller stadiums. I think that really helped them settle and kind of refocus. Um, they shot the ball really well during the tournament. I think they shot like 60-something percent in the championship game that they won, and I think um, in the high 40s for the whole tournament. Um, so just kind of resetting, getting the, the ball moving a lot and getting your shooters in open positions and then, you know, hitting those shots finally. I think it'll kind of propel them. Um, you know, they have a couple of hard games here in December, um, you know, a couple of challenging ones against Butler, Providence, and then Utah State. So I think getting this momentum going is going to help them a lot. But if they can continue to shoot how they did in Charleston, I think um, they're going to be right back on track to compete for the SEC there. Shay, over to Auburn. You guys defeated Richmond for the championship game last night, but also you guys are returning back from the Final Four. So talk about this right. Auburn team a little bit and talk about what you saw in this, uh, was it Legends Classic you guys won? Yes. So what I've seen is obviously we've had a lot of guys shift around to fill in the roles of Jared Harper and Bryce Brown and Chuma Okiki. Um but this team is a lot better defensively than last year's squad was. Um, they're not as prolific from the three-point line as last year's, but defending the rim, they're way better. And this team is finding the craziest ways to score. And I think the world needs to watch out for Isaac Okoro. Um, he's our, our strong forward, so he's kind of filling in the role for Chuma Okiki this year. And I mean, he's just a monster like that. He, that man literally does not care 
if you have a family. Let's talk a little bit about this Auburn team because they are returning from the Final Four. Do you think this is an Auburn team? Because I know defensively you mentioned this. Is this an Auburn team that can return back to the Final Four in Atlanta and probably have a home court advantage? Or is this an Auburn team that maybe people need to kind of slow the brakes down a little bit on that team? Well, I will say, you know, I'm I'm really impressed with what I see so far, but I just hope that they can sustain this momentum they have. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, they're not peaking now, that what we see now is something that they can, like, build upon and work off of. If this is something that they can build upon and work off of and keep momentum, sustained throughout the season yes I think they can return back to the final four make a deep run through the tournament um but if they're like if this is a time where they're peaking um then I think you know there's still going to be a tournament team regardless um but they're very young so that is something to consider you know and both of and both of you guys know and I've talked to a lot of people about this the depth of the SEC at basketball wise is ridiculous this year you know when you have Tennessee, when you have Kentucky, you have Auburn, you have Florida, I mean, one through 13 legitimately are in civil tournament teams. How do you think you guys' teams, Florida and Auburn, both stack up maybe against the field of the SEC? I think they're in the top five easily. I would say Florida and Auburn are up there. I mean, we saw Kentucky lose to Evansville, and we saw LSU lose. So I would say that right now, Florida and Auburn look about as good as anybody, if not better. Yeah, you know, looking at these team ceilings, um, and, it, you know, with basketball, it's all around about getting hot at the right time. I, I don't think there's any team better than these two, except for Kentucky on paper. Um, you know, depends on how you're playing come early March. But if Florida and Auburn can hit their stride then, both of these teams are SEC championship caliber teams. I, I, you know, I think one, two, three, there are Florida, Auburn, and Kentucky all have the best ceilings. Um, you know, Tennessee's kind of looking good right now, but we'll see once they kind of get challenged. Um, a couple of these other schools, LSU, you know, we're still kind of figuring out. But I think, you know, talent-wise, nobody in the conference is better than Kentucky, Florida, or Auburn there. And I think it's just going to come down to, to whoever's playing the best come tournament time, whoever's, you know, shooting the best, um, you know, there in Nashville or wherever the SEC tournament is this year. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's the cream of the crop right there with Auburn, you know, Florida and Kentucky there. And it's it's one of those teams, you know, conferences to lose if, if you know, unless somebody else can come out of, out of nowhere and, you know, surprise us. Jumping over to the gridiron, it's rivalry week. I know you guys are excited. Florida, Florida State, Alabama and Auburn. But we're going to start off with the Egg Bowl. Let's talk about the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss and Mississippi State kick off on Thursday night, 630 kickoff there on ESPN on Thanksgiving. Let's talk about it from an outsider's perspective. I know you guys are looking on the outside. What are your thoughts on this game between Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Can I just say I think it's so appropriate. They have the 6.30 p.m. time slot on Thanksgiving because nobody you know that the majority of America is going to be loaded up on Turkey and they're going to pass out through this game. And that's so fitting because these are two of the most miserable teams in the SEC to watch. Say, that's a ball take. I like it. Yeah, it's it's, it's really become a for me. It's become a, a rivalry that I think is kind of creeping up more and more. Um, you know, you talk about the Iron Bowl, Ohio State, Michigan. I don't want to say it's on that level yet, but I think it's one of the more underrated rivalries, um, especially the way these teams were playing. You know, say maybe three or four years ago when they were both you know nationally ranked. Uh, you know, this year they're kind of down, so it's maybe not got the same feel that it's had in the past couple of years. Uh, but this is a fun rivalry. I, I know within the state of Mississippi, there's a lot of hate between these two schools just from people that I know that cheer for these schools. Um, I know that it's a, it's a real one. And I, I love that it's a Thursday night game. It's like the perfect game, especially this year. This year's going to be perfect. Um, you know, you're going to be finishing up dinner. You're going to sit on the couch. You'll watch the first 10 and 15 minutes. Um, and then you're going to pass out until probably the middle of the third quarter. It's going to be probably six to seven. Somebody's going to be winning in the middle of the third quarter. And then you're just going to wake up and it's, you know, going to be football again. I think it's the, it's the perfect sleeper game this week to where you just you watch the first quarter and then the fourth quarter you kind of just cruise through the middle and you're not going to miss much. But it, it's still going to be a great football game, I think, as always. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting because I think Ole Miss kind of has the spark right now. Um, but on the other hand, Mississippi State needs this to make a bowl game. So um, it'll come, it'll be interesting to see who comes out playing with more fire in their hair. Um, you know, if it's Mississippi State or if they're kind of already given up trying to make a bowl game or if it's going to be Ole Miss – because um, they're looking like they're kind of starting to hit their stride right now. And I think, um, you know, this one could go either way. Um, 
but you know, I guess we'll get into predictions a little bit. But I, I'm excited for this one. Um, I think the NFL games this week suck, so I'll probably definitely be watching this whenever those, um, you know, depending on how those games go. Now, last year, and actually the last three years, there's been pretty big major fights. Last year, Matt Corral started at Ole Miss. I think the year before that, Leo Lewis started at Mississippi State and so on. How do you? How many fights do you see? What's the over-under on fights before we get into the actual game? How, what's the over-under on fights in this game? Hmm. I, I think there will just be one fight. I'm going to go yeah. I'm going to go three players ejected. Okay. That's, that's my take. We'll go three I, players ejected. Three players. Three players tossed for fighting. I'm not I don't know who's going to be those players or what team's going to get them, but I, th- I think there'll be at least three players ejected for fighting, especially if this game gets ugly down the end. Um because honestly, neither of these teams have a whole lot to play for, so I think it's kind of, you know, just do what you want. You hate your rival, and you want to see them suffer. So I think I think there'll be a, a couple of players ejected at least, and, I, and I'm hoping for it. <laughs> Shay, what is your take on that? Yeah, I could definitely see like a pregame altercation, but I don't. I could see it being like nobody gets ejected. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, oh, I, think it's a, I think there's a guarantee, like pregame, like midfield like yelling and then i think there's yeah. gonna be like a fight that breaks out in the game i don't think there's gonna be like a fight pregame i think it'll just be like yelling but then at some point they're gonna hit somebody late or the quarterback's gonna be you know hit low or something i'm not saying it's gonna be miles garrett type level but i think it'll i think you'll get a good fight and i think it'll be a real fight with this game i think you get the real fights you know you get you know some of these bigger schools like you know clemson or ohio state in their rivalry games they don't want to get ejected they got a lot to play for these guys have nothing to lose. They'll throw punches. They'll they'll shove. I think I think this is gonna be a real fight, and I think it's it's great for for football there. What honestly would actually be pretty funny. I mean, let's just be honest here. If they did a Miles Garrett tight fight, because what would else say with the Egg Bowl other than a Miles Garrett tight fight? Like it would just be, it would add a, it would add a certain level of interest across the country mm-hmm. for the rest of the game. You know what I'm saying? So, and and I've talked to people on both sides, and a lot of people blame the hostility on the NCAA coming in and punishing Ole Miss, letting Mississippi State get away with it. Is that what what you guys are kind of taking away from it as well? Uh, I think it's just a I think it's just a good rivalry. You know, Mississippi fans are, um, you know, they're passionate just as any other SEC school. Um, they they typically, at least over the past decade, they, they've been fairly evenly matched. You know, year in and year out, more than some of these other rivalries. Um, you know, look at Florida, Florida State. Neither of those teams have been good at the same time. Ohio State, Michigan's kind of the same way. Um, but Mississippi State and Ole Miss, they always seem to be within a game of each other I, I think that um you know that shows a lot to how much they want to win this because you you want to have a better record than your rival and you want to have that win over them um and you know just the the down south football the fans you know they hate each other and they're passionate and they get things going and they say things and i think they kind of just fire up the players there shay your take um i mean i think it's a good rivalry uh, i think back to like 2014 when Mississippi State had Dak Prescott and Ole Miss was coming off of beating Alabama. Um, I mean, there's definitely been some highly profiled games in this rivalry. And I think right now, like, the rivalry, I mean, it's still strong. Like, people at Mississippi still hate each other. Um, And, I mean, they're arguing over which school's better than the other, even though they're both in Mississippi. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's not in my top five of rivalries, maybe in my like top 15. Okay. That's fair. Okay. So guys, how do you see this game playing out? We'll get your predictions and then we'll jump into these other rivalry games within the SEC. I think I, I've got Ole Miss winning this one. Um, I know it's, it's at Mississippi state. I, I feel like the road team has won this game more times than not over the past decade. Um, I, like I said earlier, I think Ole Miss is starting to hit their stride. You see what Plumlee's doing with the offense. They're rolling. Mississippi State's just they, – they don't seem like they're playing for anything. I think they know Jim Moorhead's going to be leaving either this year or next year. I don't think he's he's bought into the program. I think he's trying to get out. Um, things just haven't gone well for Mississippi State this year. Um, I don't think they're going to come out and play well. I think Mississippi State – or Ole Miss wins this. I think they win it by probably 10. Um I think it may be a high-scoring game. I know earlier I said it was going to be low-scoring, but um, I, I think it will be probably you know 37-27 or something in that range. Um, but I, I think Ole Miss comes out and, and pulls out the W here. I like that take. Shay? 
I think Mississippi State's going to win. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I don't know. I don't trust Matt Luke. I feel like Ole Miss is going to keep it close, but they're going to do something stupid that cost them the game. But do you like trust that. Joe Moorhead? That's, that's a good I, point, too. I would trust him more than I would trust Matt Luke. You don't trust Matt Luke more. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. It's, just, it's a trust thing. So, jumping over to Friday slate, we actually have a Friday game, Missouri. At, so, we're getting, by the way, we're getting all the bottom-dwelling rivalry games out of the way early. Bottom-dwelling. I mean, that's the only way you can put it. Missouri, Arkansas, Missouri's not playing for anything now. The instability came down unjustly. Now, we can talk about that and, you know, how the instability, basically you, basically you cooperate and you get screwed over, you know, such and such. But Missouri, Arkansas... Missouri's a 12-point favorite, which seems a little low. It's a 1.30 kickoff on CBS on Friday. Guys, what is your take on this uh, on this game? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Um, I'm not watching this game, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, what other games are on that time? Let me check. Memphis and Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, Memphis and Cincinnati. I mean, uh, Washington, Washington State starts at four. That would be a good one. I could care less about this game. I, I don't want to say Missouri doesn't have anything to play for because they're going to be playing for not getting embarrassed and being the first SEC school in like two and a half years to lose to Arkansas because they don't want that on their plate. Um, but like I said, they don't really have a bowl game to play for. Um, I, I don't I don't see Arkansas winning this game. I think I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Missouri's offense does not look good of late. Kelly Bryant, he may be hurt. He's been kind of banged up. Uh, Missouri's defense, on the other hand, is good. Arkansas's everything sucks. Um, I'll take Missouri maybe 20 to 7 or something like that. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very fun game to watch. I think it's going to be ugly and sloppy. I don't think it's going to be very good football. Um, and I'm probably not going to watch it. But I'll take Missouri to go 6-6, six and six, um, winning by two touchdowns there. Yeah, I would say that I don't think that – Arkansas has a snowball's chance, and you know what? <laughs> so here's here's the real question: Are there more than twenty thousand people at this game on Friday? It's at Arkansas. It's in Fayetteville. Are there more than twenty thousand at this game? I would be shocked. I think so. Arkansas's got good fans. They have a great fan base. They've stuck with them for the most part, even though they've been absolute garbage. More than I think some other schools would if they'd gone, you know, oh and whatever two years in a row. Um, it's a holiday weekend. Um, is this the game in Little Rock that they do every year? Oh, this is in Little Rock. And okay. I think that, I think that's oh, the re- I think they'll yeah, get a good crowd there. Missouri's not far either, so I think you'll get some Missouri. I'm sure there's a lot of Missouri fans in Arkansas that will come to the game. Um, these these I think these Thanksgiving weekend games always have good crowds, no matter you know what the record is, just because it's a holiday weekend, it's a rivalry. Uh, but I, I think there'll be a good crowd there. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. So jumping over to Saturday, we're going to start off with Clemson and South Carolina. Clemson's a 27.5-point favorite. Gamecocks are at this rate playing for pride. I mean, that's all that they're playing for. They've had a very disappointing season under Will Muschamp. Let's talk about this game, guys. What do you see in this game? Does Clemson go into Columbia and completely blow out the Gamecocks, or does South Carolina show up and kind of play with some kind of state pride a little bit? I actually don't see Clemson going in and just blowing them out. Um, I think South Carolina, like, they play pretty well at home. Um, and I think they'll be able to keep it close. I don't, I, like, I don't see Clemson going in and pushing them over. I'm, I'm torn on this because I like that logic as well. It's a noon kickoff. Um, you know, Will Muschamp always gets his team fired up. They're not going to make a bowl game, so I don't know. But on the other hand, I look at Clemson as a team who everybody talks about their schedule. They haven't beaten anybody good. You know, they they played a couple average teams close, you know, A&M and North Carolina and whoever else is in there. I think Clemson needs to make a statement in this game. Um, not that it's going to matter to them making the playoffs or not, but I think they need to shut up the nation who's saying they don't beat anybody good and, you know, they haven't looked overly impressive. I think if they can go into an SEC school, even if it is a down South Carolina, I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to, you know, light a fire and I think they're going to try to 
run the score up in this game. I think, you know, you could see this game get into the 50s or 60s for Clemson. Um, I know South Carolina's got a good defense, but they're, they're going to need something to prove. And I, I think Clemson's going to prove something this weekend. Um, you know, it may be close for the first you know quarter or two there, but I, I think Clemson's going to run away, and they're going to try to prove something to the nation here um, that they can go in and, and beat a South Carolina team that beat Georgia and that, you know, played Alabama somewhat close for most of the game. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to come in, and I, I think they'll win this maybe, you know, 49 to – 20 or something like that 49 sure. 17 it's a pretty fair score now, i think jumping, so jumping over to the good old-fashioned hate game between georgia at georgia tech georgia is a 28 and a half point favorite yeah. 11 o'clock on abc how do you see this one playing out oh god this is going to be a murder i yeah. I, I don't i disagree I, I think georgia wins i don't think you ever get the feeling that they're not going to win but I, I don't think they blow them out georgia's offense just hasn't been good of late um, they haven't been the Georgia offense that we've seen in the past couple of years. Um, Georgia Tech's playing, I think, a little bit better now. They're at it's at Georgia Tech, right? So they're yeah, at home. Yeah. Um, I think Georgia Tech covers this barely. I think maybe a 21, 24 point game. Um, you know, I, I don't think Georgia's going to put up 50 on anybody this year. I don't think that's just their, their style of playing. Um, you know, even look at some of their FCS opponents they played, they kind of caught off to a slow start. Um, so I, I'll take. Georgia 35 to 10 or something like that. Um, you know, barely, I think Georgia Tech barely covers this, but I, you know, I, I don't see Georgia winning this by 40 or 50 like some people do. Shay, do you have a take on that one? I mean, I don't, I don't think Georgia Tech is going to score. Okay. I mean, that's, that's actually, that's actually pretty fair. That's fair. Yeah. I just so, don't see, I don't see Georgia Tech scoring at all. I don't either. Just because of the, their offense is so stagnant this year because of the new offensive change and new head coaching mm-hmm. change. I mean, Georgia Tech has not been the Georgia Tech team of old. So, I will say this. I, I do like what Jeff Collins is doing. I think he's a good coach. You know, like you said, the, the new offense, it's just so much different there in, in Atlanta. Um, I think it's going to take a couple of years to adjust. Um, so I, I think I think he's a good coach. I think in a couple of years you may see this become a, a good game again. Um, but yeah, you, you may be right. They, they may get a field goal. Um, who knows? Maybe they get an interception deep in Georgia territory and can you know punch one in. But, but yeah, they're, they're not going to be able to drive 80 yards in Georgia. Um, you know, maybe they get a garbage time touchdown on their second team or something. But yeah, I, th- I think low scoring Georgia by, you know, three touchdowns, three and a half. So that's my heading take. heading north to the Bluegrass State. The battle for the Governor's Cup, Kentucky and Louisville, 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. Wildcats, two and a half point favorite. How do you guys see this one turning out? I know this game is a – this is starting into one of probably the better rivalries in the SEC outside of conference. Yeah, this one's always close. I like this game every year. Um, it's always a fun one to watch. This is probably going to be the noon game that I'll be most tuned into. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think the other two games, Georgia and then South Carolina, I don't think those are going to be good games to watch. Um, this is the one that I'm the most just like flip a coin on um, because you've – from both of these teams, you – seen really good play and then you've also seen what are you doing play um and i think kentucky's kind of settling now with lynn bowden i think it was kind of rough at first um being at kentucky i think i'll take them um just because they're at home but this one i, I could honestly see go either way um just because you, you never really know what you're getting in these teams plus it's a rivalry so give me kentucky by a field goal um you know mid 20s 27 24 something like that um, but this, this is the most tossable one. I, I have no opinion of or no logical reason of why Kentucky's going to win. Otherwise, yeah, um, you know, I mean, th- I think it's a complete toss-up. That's exactly what I'm thinking. I mean, this this game is always unpredictable. I never know what's going to happen. And and it's one that like you know, kind of like the Egg Bowl, where they have a lot of state pride. You know what I'm saying? Where it is guys that are being recruited out of Ohio together. These are guys that are going to school together in Louisville and Lexington. It's one of those games where, like you guys said, it's just a toss-up. But going to the 3 o'clock kickoff, because we're going to save the Iron Bowl for last. That's the granddaddy of them all, the best rivalry in college football. Let's go with Vanderbilt and Tennessee. 3 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. Tennessee, 21-point favorite there in Knoxville. Vanderbilt coming into the game, having won three straight over the Vols. Is this the year that uh, the Volunteers snapped a streak, which never thought I'd say that before, snapped a streak over Vanderbilt? Yeah, I see Tennessee winning this game. And I mean, like, I know at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's athletic director is like, we have full faith and confidence in Derek Mason. Well, look, 
I love Derek Mason. I think he's scary. I think he's jacked, but I don't see him beating Tennessee. This Tennessee team is like, they're just now starting to have consistency and momentum. Yeah, Tennessee's finally starting to play well. Um, and I think people kind of thought it could happen just because of how their schedule lined up towards the end of the year. I know we talked about it. Um, I thought Vanderbilt was kind of getting good towards the middle of the year. You know, they knocked off Missouri. They played a couple other teams, not necessarily close, but um, they started to look a little bit better there in October. And then all of a sudden, 56 nothing against Florida. You know, you lose to Kentucky 38-14. Um, and I think the wheels are kind of just falling off again. I, I think it's lost. Did you, did you guys see the picture of the, of the stadium last week in Vanderbilt there? It was pathetic. There was I mean, like, like maybe a thousand people there. Maybe. It was bad. Um, I think Tennessee's going to be fired up. They're finally going to be back in the bowl game now. Um, chance to go seven and five. And after that start for Tennessee, if you would have told me that they would finish the season seven and five, I would have thought you were crazy. You know, after Alabama, they're sitting there at what two and four. Um, people were talking about Pruitt getting fired mid-year, um, but hats off to him. Um, I know Ogeron's done a good job, but Jeremy Pruitt may be one of the you know coach of the year candidates. Um, that honestly, I, I hate to say, it, but I think he, he deserves it because he's done a great job there. You know, second half of the year fixing things after a horrendous start. Um, so I, I think Tennessee comes out. I think they, I think they blow them out. I think they're going to want it. They're at home. Um, you know, like you said, three game losing streak against Vanderbilt. That's not something that you want to be, you know, uh, you know, holding over your head going into the next season. If, if you get that, you know, if you get that uh, streak up to four games, so I, I think Tennessee wins this one. And I think they blow them out here. Um, just because they they've got the momentum and they they need to you know they need to look impressive here. Staying with the Volunteers, and we'll get to the next rivalries. Do you guys think Coach Pruitt is the right man for the job now? I know after losing at Georgia State, I think we were all in a group chat talking about that. How we don't know if you know Tennessee's going to be able to survive and this and that, but how he's turned around this program towards the later part of this year. Do you think Coach Pruitt is the right guy for the job at University of Tennessee? I think so. I think just mm-hmm. give him time. I mean. Yeah. What he's done with Jarrett Garantano at quarterback, you know, I mean, he just, he's managed him extremely well. I mean, most coaches in that situation would have benched Jarrett with the way some of those games, but like he's given him, I mean, he's, he's obviously coached the kid and like the kid's a decent quarterback as of late. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. I think he's a good coach for the job. Um, Listen, Tennessee fans, if you're listening, you're not going to be in the SEC championship in the next year or two. Um, it's just not going to happen. I know they always have that expectation that they're going to win the East every year. Um, give the man credit. He's going to finish third in the East, most likely, I think, um, You know, if they win this game. I, I think he's the the guy who can kind of get them to the level. I don't know if he's going to be able to compete with Florida or Georgia in the East over the next you know couple of years. I think it's going to take time. Um, but he can at least get you to seven, eight, nine wins every year, um, get you to a respectable bowl game, and then and, you know, maybe in a few years, if he can get, you know, some of his recruits in, you know, get some, you know, good assistant coaches, I think, you know, maybe you'll see Tennessee get back to that level. Um, but I, I think he's done a great job this year. I think, you know, coming from Nick Saban, he knows how to run a program well, um, you know, other than Derek Dooley or Butch Jones um, has done over the past decade. So um, I think if Tennessee fans give him time, understand that he's not going to win the East for the first couple of years. I think if they can get that through their head and just be happy with eight or nine wins, um, maybe a couple of years down the line, they'll, you know, be able to start competing with Florida or Georgia there in the East. Guys. Now we're heading down to Baton Rouge. LSU takes on Texas A&M. LSU's a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Six o'clock kickoff there on ESPN. Let's talk about this game. Last year there was a fight after the game, seven overtimes. How do you see this one shaping up? Definitely not seven overtimes this year. Mm-mm. I would hope not. I, I don't feel like staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning watching That was a game. great – that was a – that was like the last game going, the last like big game going on last year, and it was the perfect end to college football Saturday on Thanksgiving weekend. You could not ask for anything better. It was like midnight by the time the game ended. Um, such a great game. All the controversy that happened in that game, it was great. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think I think LSU wins this in do regulation. You, do you see there being any controversy later in the game or in the game after last year's uh, debacle? No, only because. If anybody has controversy, I think it's LSU, and they're getting ready for the playoffs, so they're not going to risk anything. They're not going to try to get any fights. I don't think they're going to try to start anything. I don't think it's going to be a game. I think I think it could be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a game that LSU is going to be like in jeopardy of losing. Um, but I think LSU they've got way more to play for than you know worrying about you know what happened last year. I think I think they've moved on and and they're happy with what they've got. 
Guys, what is your take on uh, Coach O's stance towards, you know, they turned down the boot against the Arkansas game. They turned down the Magnolia Bowl trophy against Ole Miss. What's your take on Coach O just basically saying, screw it, I don't want these trophies, and I just want to go play for the big thing? Shay? Um, wait, what was the question? What do you, uh, what do you think about Coach O turning down the Magnolia Bowl trophy and also the oh, boot? that's hilarious. I mean, I think it's awesome. I love yeah. that. I mean, these... he's playing for something bigger than just small game bowl trophies. He's like, like yeah, he these. He doesn't need the novelty behind it. These rivalry game trophies are so dumb. Especially, no offense, um, any Big Ten listeners out there, but when you get, like, Iowa or Wisconsin, who, like, every single week they have, like, a different trophy, like a pig or an axe or something, they have, like, every single game is, like, a little trophy game. Uh, it's stupid. It's, like, it's becoming, like, a participation trophy just for, you know, playing, winning a regular season game. You know, congrats to LSU for beating a two-win Arkansas team. Here's a trophy. Like, that's stupid. Like, yeah, SEC, SEC you know, conference trophy and then the national championship trophy are the only ones they should accept. Um, I, I love the move. I love it. And le- unless you're a team like, you know, with yeah. not as much history like Kentucky or like Ole Miss, where it does mean a lot one. more, you know what I'm saying, to win those trophies. Like, if you get the Governor's Cup instead of Kentucky, that's the biggest trophy you're going to get all year. You there's know what I'm saying? A, there's a few of those trophies I, I love. I love the the axe, the, the Wisconsin-Minnesota, Paul Bunyan's axe, the Egg Bowl trophy. There's a few of them that I like, but no team should have more than one of those games a year. You, you get yeah. one. Your, your number one rival you can do a trophy with, but don't have like four or five different trophy games. I, I think those are stupid. Before we get to the granddaddy of rivalry games, let's talk about Florida and Florida State. Florida's a 17-and-a-half point favorite. Florida State's bowl eligible, actually. I did not realize they had six wins. Talk about this game, Ryan. You're, this is the Sunshine State. This is your team. This is uh, your rivalry game. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Uh, Florida hasn't won in this swamp over FSU in like 10 years now um they've pretty much run the rivalry like I said earlier it, it really hasn't been a good rivalry of lately Florida's been really good and Florida State's been bad or vice versa you know it's been a long time since both of these teams have been you know top 10 or you know top 15 and this is another year where I think it's just it's not gonna be that good of a game um you know it's a it's a night game in the swamp senior night against your rival you have a chance of getting 10 wins for Florida um Percy Harvin's coming back to do the the two bits before the game I think the crowd's gonna be fired up for this one um there's talks of a blackout I don't think that's gonna be happening because I think they would have announced it more in advanced um but I, I think Florida I think 17 is a great line for this game. I think it's at 17 and a half. Um, I, th- I think Florida State plays well. They've looked better since Willie Tackers left. Um, you know, this new guy they've got in has done, I think he's done a great job of kind of rallying them and getting them something to play for. Like you said, they've, they've made a bowl game. Um, they've got six wins. Um, I think, like I said, I, th- I think 17 spot on. I think Florida wins this, um, you know, 27 10 somewhere in that range. Um, I think it could be a competitive first half um, and then Florida kind of pulls away at the end but um I'm, I'm pretty confident florida gets the win here they get to 10 wins again and potentially near six bowl depending on you know how things shake out with some of these other teams shay what's your prediction on that i think that florida can e- easily run away with it i don't see i mean i can see how i can see what ryan's saying about like they'll keep it close but i think florida can also blow florida state out of the water and make a statement ryan there is a potential matchup for Florida and Memphis to play in the Cotton Bowl. How do you mm-hmm. think Florida shapes up against Memphis just early on here? Um, that's a good question. I, I think – I honestly haven't watched Memphis much of late. I kind of watched them a few times early in the year, so I have to, to revisit that. Um, Memphis is a high-flying team. You know, it's, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game if they do end up playing here, especially in the Cotton Bowl, playing in the Dome. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I don't know a whole lot about Memphis's defense. I don't think it's been great. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think just their style of play is let's run as many plays as we can and just score a lot of points and outscore our team. Um, so I think Florida may try to change the pace of that up. Florida hasn't ran the ball very well this year, so that may not be a great game plan. Uh, but I would love to see that matchup. Um, you know, either Florida Memphis, Florida Cincinnati, wh- whoever wins that game this weekend, um, that would be a great game. I love the the Power Five versus Group of Five school matchups. I think they've been really, really great over the past couple of years. 
Um, you know, you look at Boise or whoever else has been there, you know, UCF over the past decade. Um, so I, I would be all in for a Florida, Cincinnati, Florida, Memphis type, uh, you know, Cotton Bowl there. Shay, let's jump over to the Iron Bowl. Alabama's three and a half point favorite, th- 230 kickoff on CBS. Let's talk about this. I'm going to get both of your takes on this, and then we will close out with your let's just talk about the NCAA basically messing over Missouri, and then we'll call it a day. Shay, let's talk about the Iron Bowl. What are some of the key to the games for Auburn to win this game over Alabama? Auburn's secondary is going to have to play really strong. Uh, they're going to be going head-to-head against what's probably the best wide receiver core in the country. They've got Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devontae Smith. Um, I'm not worried about our front seven protecting against Alabama. Honestly, I think what Auburn's defense is going to have to do is make them one-dimensional and force them to run the ball um, because our front seven is extremely effective against the run. Now, for Auburn's offense, they're going to have to convert in the red zone. I was just saying yesterday, Bo Nix's biggest problem is he always wants to throw to Seth Williams because that's Auburn's best target. Um, But I was watching him in Sanford, and he threw just about every pass he threw to Seth Williams. There was one pass, Seth Williams was out of bounds. There was another pass, Seth Williams was in triple coverage. And when you do that, I know he's a freshman, but when you do that you open up room for interceptions um you know loss of yardage because i mean sometimes bonix doesn't even throw the ball away in time um i think bonix is just gonna have to be way more aware in this game of who he's throwing to and who his targets are um and we're gonna have to establish a run game very early in this game if we want any shot of converting in the red zone Shay, do you think this is a game that Auburn will win, or do you think this is a game that they could win? I think this is a game that they can win. I'm not going to say that they will win it, uh, because I've there have been plenty of times this season I've gone into an Auburn game super confident and had my dreams absolutely shattered. <laughs> Shay, let's talk about the Iron Ball. I know because a lot of people looking in don't really understand the magnitude of this game. You know, and you're from Alabama. You're on the Auburn side of things. What does this rivalry mean, not only to the Auburn fan base, but also to the state of Alabama? I mean, this gives you bragging rights for 365 days. And football is the most important thing in Alabama. Um, You know, I know people are like, oh, well, Auburn's the little brother. Well, Auburn in recent years, has been able to play the role of spoiler um, against Alabama. And if Auburn beats them this year, I mean, they knocked them out of the playoff completely. So there's a lot on the line. There's a lot at stake. And, I mean, it goes deeper than just the game itself. Like, half of the kids I grew up with went to Alabama. I mean, that's how it is when you go to when you grow up in the state of Alabama. You know, you you're given an ultimatum. Who do you go for, Alabama or Auburn? And if you go for Tennessee, like nobody eats with you at lunch. <laughs> now, before we get into your official, both of you guys' official prediction, Shay, I'm going to ask you this: What has been your all-time favorite Iron Bowl moment? Well, <clears throat> obviously the kick six is up there but i was saying yesterday on twitter so the most memorable iron bowl aside from the kick six i've been i went to the last iron bowl played at legion field and that was in 1998 and we sat me and my parents sat behind my tutor his name was mr page and he was like a huge alabama fan he taught me how to add and subtract and read and write and that was like one of the only memories i have with him and he passed away in 2012. So that's like a super sentimental moment. Because, um, I mean, this is a rivalry that truly does just run deeper than the game itself. Like, the state of Alabama has suffered a lot of tragedies in recent years. And Alabama and Auburn have both come together during those times. Yeah. Ryan, I'm going to get your prediction. And then I'm going to close it with Shay's prediction. And then we'll jump over to the NCAA real quick and call it a day. Ryan, what's your predictions on the Iron Bowl? Yes, I think it's going to be another great game. Um, you know, like Shay said, there's a ton to play for on both sides. Auburn, um, you know, could get to nine wins with this. It would be another, you know, bragging right ruin Alabama season. Alabama, I think, is still in a great spot to make the playoffs. I 
I think if, if they, like I said earlier, um, if, if they can come in and they can beat Auburn handily, you know, better than Georgia did, I think that'll weigh a lot in the voters' hands if it comes down to Alabama-Georgia there at the end. Um, I think Alabama wins this game. I think it is going to be a close game. This game typically is. Um, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than people think. Um, you know, you, you look at Alabama, they've they've struggled against more, more mobile quarterbacks over the past decade. Um, that's kind of their, their weakness there. Um, I think Bo Nix needs to run for like 80, 90 yards in this game. Um, some scrambling. I think they need to do a lot of design runs with him as well. He's not going to be able to beat them through the air. But I think yeah. if they can set up the, the play action both with him running as well as, you know, whether it be Booby Whitlow or whoever else, um, you know, Shay, like you said on the radio the other day, they've got to establish the run. They, they can't be one-dimensional. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game. I, I could even see Auburn taking a second-half lead here. Uh, but I think Alabama ends up winning by 10. Um, I, I think they just have too much firepower on their offense. I don't know if Auburn can hang, hang with them. Um, if they throw those screen passes, it doesn't, you know, having Derek Brown or, or, you know, whoever else in the middle doesn't matter if you're throwing screen passes. They can't do anything about that. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I, I don't think Auburn's secondary is that great. You know, I, th- I think their secondary has been good because of their pass rush. But Alabama likes to throw these quick passes that, that kind of neutralize of the pass rush, and I think that's what they're going to do. Um, I, I think they're going to try to make that the Auburn front four as ineffective as possible, and I think they'll, um, you know, I, th- I think they'll win this game maybe 27-17, somewhere in that range. Shay, I'm saying I'm going to pick Auburn to win 27 to 20. Okay, what is the what is the reasoning behind the Auburn pick there? Home field advantage. I like that. I I, I like that pick. Guys, let's wrap it up with the NCAA talk. The NCAA ruling came down on Missouri yesterday, basically after Mizzou cooperated. They said, you know, you're going to receive three-year postseason ban. You're going to receive loss of scholarships, a 1% uh, budget deficit, and all this other stuff. What is your take on the NCAA? And also, by the way, the whole James Wiseman stuff where they punish the kids for the adults' mistake. Guys, the NCAA yet again screws up. What is your take on this? Oh, God. Uh, talk about I don't know any organization more crooked than the NCAA I don't want to say crooked I think it's just inconsistent I I, I think I don't know how the NCAA works I think they probably just have like a a group of people who make these decisions and they don't talk to each other and have any consistency Um, like you said Missouri didn't they did everything they could have. And I don't think they really knew what was going on. Like, as soon as they found out, I think they came to the NCAA. I, I don't know the full details of it, but I'm just saying if it was Alabama or Ohio State or, you know, Clemson who did this, they, I, I don't think they would have been banned. I think it's just the fact that it was Missouri. And, who, you know, who cares about Missouri and NCAA's eyes? They don't make the money. Um, and then, you know, with Wiseman, I, I think it's stupid, you know, what they're doing. I, I understand that they wanted to pay the money back. Um, that makes sense, you know, giving it to a charity, but like, it's, it's, it's dumb. Like, what are you going to do? Just suspend the kid, have him sit out. I don't care. You know, that's fair, you know, suspend him for taking money for a couple of games, you know, whether or not it's the right rule or not, he did break the rule. Um, but having him pay the money back is stupid. Um, you know, he's going to be making millions of dollars in like six months. So who cares if he has a little, you know, $11,000 right now. Um, and if it was for moving, it's not like it was for a bad cause. It's not like he went out and bought like a, you know, brand new car or something with it, you know, it was, it was just to move there. And it was before Penny was the coach. So I think, you know, making him pay that money back is kind of stupid. Um, but I, I, you know, I think the, the suspension's fair for a couple games. Um, you know, 11 kind of a lot, but I, I really don't think it's going to hurt Memphis that much in the long run. Um, you know, they'll have him back by conference play there. Guys, do you think the NCAA, as we know it, is done for? I mean, do you think, you know, enough colleges like Missouri, like Memphis, let's say they get Kansas hard or whatever, do you think, you know, everybody breaks away from the NCAA and creates their own uh, entity, per se, and breaks away from the NCAA? I don't think so. I, I think the NCAA is still way too powerful, but I think there will be a lot of change coming. Um, you know, especially if this California law you know, goes into effect where they can start making money off themselves. Um, and and I've, all, I've always been on the boat of I don't think schools should pay the players, but I think they should be able to market themselves because I think that's fair. Um, a lot of these schools don't make money off their athletic programs, which people don't know, unless you're Alabama or Duke or Ohio State. Uh, but most of these smaller schools, they, they end up losing money just because they have so many, you know, 
secondary sports that don't make money. So I, I don't necessarily think that the school should pay them. Um, I think the NCAA should distribute more of that money to the schools to help balance that. Um, but I, I'm all for players marketing themselves. Um, you know, it's going to have to be regulated. I think that's going to be the challenge. Uh, but I think within the next five years, you're going to be able to see, you know, some of these players start to do that. And I think the NCAA is going to have to make some big changes. Otherwise they may start to lose a lot of whatever it may be, you know, viewership, respect, um, you know, players just not playing in college and, you know, just going overseas for basketball or whatnot. But I think we'll see a lot of change in the next, you know, five to 10 years here. That was actually my next question. So Shay, what are your thoughts on that fair pay to play thing, you know, with the California laws and now Tennessee's going on board, Kentucky's going on board. Uh, I even think the state of Alabama is talking about it as well. What is your take on that? I think that players do deserve to get paid for their likeness. I mean, let's just face it. Colleges are already paying players. Like, they have some form of method of payment. Like A lot of them get stipends now, too. About, yeah. I think, what, seven or eight years ago, they, they get, like, a, a stipend for a couple thousand, you know, for cost of living or whatnot. And I think it's just, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like, they're already paying them in some method or fashion. So I think to make it where they can get paid off their likeness. I mean, look, I'm selfish. I just want Madden football back. I want uh, college football, NCAA football. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, that's all I want. And so, like, yes, let's play. Let's pay the players for their likeness so that this video game can please come back. That's the only reason. That's it. Just the video that's game. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Not because they have families or anything, which that's super important, but, like, for the public. I think the world will be a better place. I mean, let's just talk about that college football game real quick, though. If that does come back, I feel like we need to have some kind of outside the huddle, no huddle, college football playing challenge. Oh, so like, we'll, let's just we'll like live stream us playing it. I mean, I'm, I'm down. We'll do like get on a YouTube Twitch. thing. Yeah, get on Twitch and we'll. Uh, I still play to... the old. I, I have the old games. I still play them on occasion. My thing is you can't play the old game on the new PlayStations. Like, I have a PlayStation, the newest one, the 4 or whatever. Like, you can't play it on there. And oh, so, I've, still got, I've still got a PlayStation 2. I've got the old one. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, so. see, here's the thing. So, if we had to do college football right now, the video game, would you guys play with Florida and Auburn, or would you have another team you played, played with? I, I always – I need a mobile quarterback. That's how okay. I – that's my style in that game. I need a quarterback who can run. Um, so, I would – Ooh, Ohio State with Justin Fields. I think they'd be lethal. I don't like Ohio State, so I don't know. Um, depending on how mobile they make, um, you know, Bo Nix or, you know, even Felipe Franks, you know, he's fairly mobile. I just need a quarterback who can run, and I, and I can win with that. So just give me, like, a quarterback with, like, 85 speed, you know, somebody who can who can run and, and avoid pressure. Because I, I don't like throwing from inside the pocket on those games. I like getting outside and just running it. Um, Auburn would be a good one, you know, if Bo Nix was, you know, fast enough on there. I think they've got some good weapons. So, but yeah. I, I need, a, I can't have a pocket passer in those games. I just, it's, it's no fun for me. Shay. Yeah, I've got to have a hybrid. I need a dual threat quarterback. Otherwise, I mean, that's fair. Ugh. Yeah, I would probably, I would probably end up playing with Memphis just because yeah. I can put up ninety points, yeah. you know, and just like. Let's you try to beat me with 90 points. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's you try to beat me with 91. I'll score 90, and let's just call it a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, that That was always my style is put up 75, 80 points mm -hmm. and just to see if somebody can stop me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that was that's – that's the beauty of those video games, though, is because you can score 200 points and, you know, somebody scored 205. So, guys, drop wherever your podcast is, wherever your work is. Drop your Twitters. I greatly appreciate you guys coming on. This has been a fun interview. I mean, oh, we forgot to we – for, we need to close on this. Duke loses to Stephen F. Austin last night. We have not even talked about this. Hmm. Guys, what is your take on the Duke loss to Stephen F. Austin? Uh, it's whatever. Yeah. I mean, Kentucky lost. Remember basketball doesn't matter. Like, let's be honest. Like, it doesn't matter. It only matters if you're like a bubble team and like, but Duke's going to make the tournament. Like, let's not doubt ourselves. I, th I think these losses actually help a team. Like, you look at a team like Kentucky, um, it, it kind of wakes them up. 
you know, if, if Kentucky were to just kind of cruise through November, beat all these teams they're supposed to be, they may kind of get lazy. But I think having one of these losses kind of gives your team a spark that they need. Um, you know, we'll see how Kentucky responds and how Duke responds. But especially these young teams, I, I think it's kind of a wake-up call to these younger teams who, who don't really know what it's like to lose. Because a lot of these players, like, they don't lose. Like, their high school teams are really good. They come to Duke, Kentucky. Um, they're not expecting to lose. But when you lose at home to Stephen F. Austin or Evansville, it wakes you up. I think it gets you more focused. So I, I think, you know, <laughs> you never want to lose to one of those teams. But I, I think it tends to wake your team up. Um, if it is just kind of a fluke one, obviously there, it could be just because your team sucks. I don't think that's the case for either of these, but you know, I, I think both these, you know, both Kentucky and Duke will respond well to those losses. That's the last question I have for you guys, and we'll wrap it up. Do you think the Stephen F. Austin guy devil dribbled? It's a lot of controversy ta- this morning. I watched the tape again after you told me that. I think you could argue that he like lost possession. I think the Duke guy may have touched it. I think that may be an argument. Um, I don't know if there's like a great angle of that because the Duke's guy had his back turned, but he may have like touched it to where he technically lost possession and then he regained it. Um, but Duke's got enough calls over the year. Let's let this one slide. Shay, let's uh, drop your social media, Ryan, too. Where can I find, where can people find all of your awesome work, you guys? You can find me on Twitter at Shea Booski, S-H-E-A like the butter. B-O-O-S-K-Y-Y, two Ys. And you can find us on Twitter at Outside the Huddle. Outside the HUD. At so- yeah. yeah, Outside the HUD. Outside yes. the Huddle is too long of an at. Yes. And then I'm on Twitter at RyanMCC09. Um, yeah, check us out. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud. We'll probably have a show drop tonight, Wednesday night, depending on whenever Mitch drops this one. Um, but we'll probably try to get one out by Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So check us out. Um, we'll also be talking about some rivalry stuff, a little bit different than this. But um, check us out and keep keep listening to Mitch too. Guys, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, thank you. You too. This has been the Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. A special thank you to Ryan McCormack and Shay Brenneman for coming on the podcast today from Outside the Huddle Podcast and also NoHuddleSports.com. I want to thank our very special guests for coming on, talking about Robbery Week within the SEC. It's a very fun podcast, so I hope you enjoyed it. And always, thank you to our sponsors at S.Y. Wilson, Historic Arlington Depot Square. Be sure you go by there on Black Friday and on Small Business Saturday for their wonderful deals on Collegiate Apparel and PFG. Man, they've got it all there at S.Y. Wilson on the Historic Arlington Depot Square. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore 8. Like the Facebook page at The Mitch Davis Show. Follow us on YouTube at The Mitch Davis Show. Also, you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show. I want to thank you so much and wish you and yours family a truly a happy Thanksgiving.